Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories by outstanding content. Hello team and welcome back to the Make an Impact Show. This week is an exciting one because we have an author Q&A. And author Q&As are amazing because they're a chance really to meet incredible authors. And these type of events are the ones that we host in the Creative Impact Collective for members for free. If you're not a member, you can always go to creativeimpact.group collective to find out more about us and also to see what are the upcoming events if you already are part of our community. In this old recording of an amazing chat, we actually talk about surrendering a topic that I love and hate, so it's this kind of like love-hate relationship. But because I'm talking to Nikki Clinch, you can only imagine that she makes the topic amazing and incredibly inspiring. So in this special live episode, we explore the magic of surrender and we dive deep into the roots of our consciousness to uncover what is causing the repeated patterns and the disempowered cycles in our lives. So it's going to be quite a deep episode that really is going to ask you to reconnect with your intuition. And I'm really hoping that you're going to get incredibly inspired by knowing and meeting the amazing Nikki. In case you don't know Nikki Clinch, as well as an author, she is also a master maturation coach and facilitator. She's an integrated holistic counselor and a breathwork facilitator. And her mission in life is to help you break free of the confines of your story led by the health traumas and leading to self-defeating patterns and unnecessary emotional suffering. So within her work and within her book, you will be able to discover how to relinquish control, but also by doing that, how to get the control back in your life. I hope you're going to love this chat. Make sure that you check Nikki's book, Surrender, as well afterwards. And obviously, we cannot wait to hear what you have to say and what you think And if you want to find out more about all of our events, especially the free ones for members, then just go to creativeimpact.group slash collective. And we are live. We're live with a very, very special podcast episode and not just because I have a very, very special guest. Hello, Nikki. How are you doing? Hello, I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for having me on today. My pleasure. Thank you for coming and talking to us about everything, surrendering and letting go. And I feel it's uh, it's going to be something that definitely <clears throat> resonates with me a lot. So I'm excited to dive in. Before mm. we dive in and before we kind of get to warm up, as, as so to speak, I just want to remind people, which means as a collective from our membership are going to be joining. They're going to be listening in as we record. And they might even ask some questions. So as well as us chatting at the end, we'll make sure that we actually get some of their questions too. Now, this is just to explain as well, in case you hear me talking to different people and maybe mentioning them as well as they're giving us some wisdom. But before we get them to also share their wisdom, I want people to get to know Nikki a bit more. But we're not going to ask you the normal questions because that will be easy. I'm going to ask you three icebreaker questions and they're a bit different. So bear with me on that one. Nikki, we're going to go all the way back now. I want you to go all the way back to think about the first job that you've ever had. What was it and what did you learn from it? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't ever been asked that one. I love questions I've never been asked before. 
My first job that I ever got, well, my my first paid job was in an ice cream parlor. <laughs> you already said the- yeah, and <laughs> I I remember that it was a bagel and ice cream parlor, and and I worked there with my boyfriend at the time. And I remember I loved it because, not just because it was ice cream and bagels, but because I actually, I, I remember loving how happy it made people to serve them. And I remember it was my first experience of service. I actually waitressed for many years after that. Um, and and I, re- I remember that absolute um joy of realizing that I had a job to do to be able to serve and and help someone feel good um, and to connect with people. So I remember loving that. And I I, I remember my boyfriend didn't love it so much, but I really loved that. (laughs) That is amazing. Um, And and it was a really good feeling to get paid for the first time as well being exchange with an exchange of my services so I remember that good feeling as well I love that again and and just just for the fact that I actually did a similar thing where I was working in a little ice cream truck for a while um, and I think that was one of my first jobs and I think I was really excited also because I was like oh my god I can even have all the ice cream I want and I love ice cream so it was kind of like oh I get paid to serve people and you're gonna give it to them but then the perks of the job I was like oh I'm enjoying this <laughs> I remember that yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah yeah that is really really cute (laughs) thank you for that now that was way back when so obviously we're gonna now fast forward a lot and we're actually gonna look at the last six months okay Mm -hmm. so we looked at the past now let's look at something a bit closer to now now this is a bit of a harder question so the question goes as such what is the best investment that you have made in the last six months Mm -hmm. if it is something that you bought and then maybe you're investing in yourself or somebody else, a hundred pounds or dollars, whatever is easier or less. So what is the best investment you've made in the last six months? If it is something that you bought, think about something that is a hundred pounds or less. Okay. The best investment that I bought that was a hundred pounds or less. That's a really, really good question. I... I booked myself in to have a, an amazing shiatsu treatment with an amazing healer that we found here. Um, and it's the first real high quality body worker, energy worker that I've found since moving to New Zealand. And I lead these kind of long, intensive workshops where you know I have to work kind of in the middle of the night so I I treated myself to having really good quality body work after each session and it was it's like gold it's like worth it's it's priceless so yeah I'll be going back to her next week <laughs> I love it can you give us a bit more context about what that looks like or feels like in case people don't know is it any specific type of energy and body work or is it more something that people will probably know already well shiatsu is not that kind of popular in the mainstream but how it works is that it's the same system as acupuncture 
So it's working with the meridian channels, which are in Chinese medicine, there are energy channels that go all the way through our body, down our arms, down our legs, all the way down our head. And each meridian channel correlates with an organ in your body, but also on a deeper level, each meridian channel um, co correlates with a certain emotion, a certain relationship that you have with life, um, and a certain direction of flow. So, you know, the whole intention is that all our meridian channels are flowing with good key. Key is another word for energy, with good key so that we feel vitality and alive and thriving. So, shiatsu is when someone works with you on the meridian channels. Instead of using, using needles like an acupuncture, they use their fingers and they use their hands. So, it's like a form of massage working with the, with the energy channels. It's one of that. Um, that does sound wonderful and again it's kind of good because now I can actually picture it a bit better just better understanding what it is about so that that's amazing thank you so much for that now last question last this is a quick one though a little quickie just to break the ice once more all right da -da -da. if you were to pick a trivia category you'd be really good at what will it be and why oh Goodness me. Okay. Uh, a trivia category. You can make up your own, by the way. <laughs> You're allowed. Oh, I, I, well, I guess what's, what's a trivia category? Relationships. I, I would always want to, want to choose a category like that. So uh, yeah, question me on anything about relationship and I would have a field day. <laughs> Also, I might take you up on that right now then. That's that's literally how I'm going to jump on. So I'm just going to jump onto your category. On that note, I'm going to ask you something, just kind of starting to dive in what we're going to talk about today, especially with the topics of surrendering as well. What is one of the big lessons maybe that you've learned recently? If you can tie it also with the experience of the book, just author to author, I know that they teach you a lot in the process, that will be even better. So what would you say has been... Uh, something that you've learned when it comes to your relationship to yourself or with yourself, I guess, in the past year or so, or along those lines, is there something that recently you've learned about yourself, your relationship with you, and it has evolved in any way? Well, I mean, I've been working on the relationship with myself for a, a long time now, 22 years now. And so, it, and what what's beautiful is that it just keeps growing and it just keeps evolving. I mean, my work is in maturation. So maturation is, is a process of continual maturing. You, you, you keep growing and evolving. And that is absolutely how I experience the relationship with myself um, and my learning from that. You know, I think in the last year, I feel like I really grew up a lot, even though I I felt like I grew up before there was a lot of maturing that happened in the last year in particular, you know, completing the book was a process of such trust in myself, you know, the, particularly the last chapters of the book, you know, as you get further along in the book, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And the last final chapters, there was a real moment where I was just getting these really clear downloads and I, and I had to trust myself completely. And then the whole process of choosing the cover, um, uh, choosing who, what endorsement goes on the on the cover, and and having all these conversations with my publishers, that was a real process again of trusting myself. And you know, we did this amazing thing where, in the middle of the pandemic, where the world was telling us that we couldn't 
move and we couldn't go anywhere. We actually trusted our instincts. I trusted my soul calling. Um, and we sold up our, our home in London and we sold everything. And we jumped on the plane with the two young kids and we emigrated to New Zealand. And it has been such a remarkable process of deepening this trust that I have in something else and listening to something within me that keeps guiding me that is beyond the kind of the noise of the conditioning and the stories of my mind that really kind of grounded this year uh, that I trust that so much big decisions in my business will always come from that place yeah that was the gift of this year I love that and I mean when you were talking about the element of trust especially Again, I can I can say I can only imagine. I've, I moved myself over 11 years ago now. Again, less responsibilities, less people with me. But I moved with a suitcase and saying, let's see what happens. And so I deeply understand that. And again, the word surrender, which I know is cliche since that's what we're talking about today. But it does come up to me a lot because I think when you are moving yourself, moving your life or family or everything, you're just surrendering to how you're going to adapt to the new life that you're going to lead and to the new place that you're going to be in. And I wanted to ask you, was there anything or any moments or, or anything through that process between you're still running your business, still writing and the process of the book, but also moving? Is there a moment that you remember that you really had to come back to yourself and say, okay, I trust, I let it go, I surrender? Was there one moment or a couple oh. of so many moments, so many moments. Um, we had so many issues with selling the house and moving in the middle of a pandemic. And what was so remarkable is that every single issue that came, and there were a lot of them, you know, we had issues with um, New Zealand closed their borders. So I had issues with my visa continuing its application. We had issues with people who were buying our house. We had issues. There was an airstrike on the day we were meant to fly. You know, literally, there were just so many things that just kept coming up. And what was so interesting is that at each time these challenges came up, I, there was a very clear opportunity uh, where, where I could get pulled into the drama of it or I could absolutely trust this calling that is beyond anything I can see and is sitting in the unknown space and surrender to what I trusted and what I was listening to. And that allowed all these challenges to keep happening and it not create any drama. We just kept finding ways to navigate our way through the storm. And that's what I often talk about. And I talk about it in the book is, is really, you know, the real, the real gift is, is can we find a way to, to sit in, in the stillness at the center of the cyclone? And even when life, you know, wants to throw you around like a leaf in the wind, can you stay at the center? Now the mind will always go and tell you all the noise and the emotions could come through and you can get triggered by old stories. And in all of that, can you surrender your attachment to all of that and really listen to something else? You know, when we came through to the border of, there's this remarkable story where I actually got on the plane with my two young kids and my husband, we'd sold the house by now. All three of them have passports. I only had a visitor's visa, um, which was just enough to get me over the border. And as we were on the plane, I just, 
I just knew that we were going in the right direction. And as we landed in Singapore halfway through the journey, I got an email randomly from immigration and they had they had continued my application that I had submitted a year before, before the pandemic. And the email came through and my residency had arrived. And it had arrived literally about six hours before I landed on New Zealand soil. So it was, I just arrived and I cried because the flow, the slipstream of flow that, that we have the ability to drop into when we're willing to keep surrendering all the noise and all the attachments to how things should be, we get to really just kind of flow. And it, it, it always it always feels pretty amazing when that happens. So yeah, well, there were more as well. I could tell you so many. Vando <laughs> <laughs> is, a, I think is a great example. And it's kind of weird because I believe that it can resonate with so many people that those moments that we remember because it's almost like our body like let's go and it's just you feel like all the tension I mean I'm a person that holds a lot of tension talking about shots before like my neck my shoulders oh my god so I really can feel it when I feel that I've released like a big something like I'm really in tune to my body and I love what you mentioned that even just like you know breaking into tears and feeling that release and I think sometimes we shut that down and it's almost kind of going back into your intuition is as much as a mind thing as much as it's a body thing as well so embodying it and I was wanted to ask you about that as well what about embodying that feeling of surrender or really reconnecting with that also from a physical level is it something that either you talk about as well but also something that you do to make sure that you can get different types of signals or is it a lot of it is really what you mind and your gut is saying to you as well well I think there's kind of two answers to that uh, question and I think there's kind of a 3d answer to it in you know ways that we can become more conscious and grounded and embodied on a on a 3d level meaning you know doing body work um, moving our body regularly meditating regularly journaling regularly so you're in touch with your you have self-awareness of how you're doing and what you're feeling you know these practices how you feed yourself um, how you rest. I mean, these are practices that that are well known that allow us to to stay in a more grounded and I would say more um, centered space where we can be more, at least more in the present moment than usual. Often, tiredness, ungroundedness, not being in the body can will trigger your old stories easily. So it can be very um, chaotic. But and then on a deeper level. You know, and I do write about this in the book and I teach it in the book, you know, <laughs> the nature of survival, I would say that most human beings are in some form of survival. And survival is really when we are in a state of, of it's not a state of living, it's a state of trying to get by something. It's we're trying to get away from somewhere by trying to get to somewhere. So really we're in a state of resistance. And, and often what creates the tension and the struggle and, and the very common human suffering is when the human, when the human experience is moving through the body, we, we resist. And instead of really being with what is present, we find a million billion strategic ways to try and to resist or escape or fix or change what is actually happening. You know, the word survival 
is is uh, translated as on above life. It's instead of being in life, we're trying to do something about our life. And living, the definition of living is to be in the presence of the experience of life. And so when we're in this state of resistance, you know, we have anger or we have sadness or we're triggered or something is moving through us that is uncomfortable. And all we can think about is how we're going to fix it, change it, make it better, get rid of it. That creates a certain amount of tension and disconnection from our, from our whole being. And also disconnection from the present moment. We're thinking about where we need to get to, led by somewhere from the past, fears from the past, rather than really being in the here and now. And so, you know, embodiment, the, the, the practice of embodiment is really about being in the present. And, and to be in the present means that we need to be willing to be with what is moving through us in any given moment, without resistance, without trying to escape or fix or change. And, you know, that's a, that's a big ask, you know, surrender is, is not a, a form of weakness. In fact, it takes an enormous amount of courage and presence and awareness to surrender your need to try and resist or fix or change something, escape something to really be with what is moving through you. And I mean, really be with it. That takes enormous amount of presence, but that allows you to become much more embodied and you're in the present moment. And really that's where life is. Life is in the present. So we're going back to that idea of relinquishing control, which again, I resonate massively with. And I can see that from a net, from a, from a physical level as well, but also from a mental level. I love that you mentioned that survival because it goes back to that fight or flight kind of response that we all have. And I can only speak for obviously myself, but I can see how for, for the massive level of uncertainty was a big push for a lot of us to actually kind of recognize there was a lot of fight or flight going on or maybe more than like you know you would have specific instances or times it was a whole year <laughs> of fight or flight for most people and it's almost then reconnecting to actually what it feels like to as you say that relinquishing control and with that I'm almost seeing for myself again had to learn how to relearn how to trust myself what is actually my I'm going to call it gut intuition and what is actually my ego so that's my next question for you is actually what if we have unlearned to really trust our instincts because maybe we never really went there or because of external circumstances how can we start recognizing again what is when is our lovely ego talking little ego and what is actually our intuition and and again our gut and we can surrender to it well, I mean, I think it's not an overnight process. I think like, like your relationship with yourself, it's not a one night stand. This is a marriage. It takes, this is a long-term commitment. And, you know, there's kind of two things that need to happen simultaneously. And that is gaining more and more self-awareness over the ego and how your ego works. And I, I use the word story instead of ego. You know, what is the nature of your story? What is the nature of your patterns, of your behaviors, of your mind, of the belief systems that run through your, 
your mind and the emotions that run through, you know, in the book, I, I, at the beginning of the book, I actually help the reader become very conscious and aware of the story that has been living you. Now, without awareness of that, you don't think you have a story living you, you just think that's who you are. Uh, so there's no distinction between being able to learn what that is and and not and what that isn't. So first, self-awareness is the absolute key, you know, and that takes time. And how do we gain self-awareness? Well, you know, we kind of have to look at the very things that we're trying to get away from. We have to look at the problems in our life. What are the repeated problems? What are the things that keep showing up? Instead of trying to get away from them and fix them, they're actually where we need to be looking. They're the gateways in to give us all the information that we need about what what has been driving you. Now, when we are able to see the story and we're able to gain consciousness over it, then we're not in it fully. That's when we really can start to get more space from it. And that space from what we can see and where we're seeing from is where we can start to listen to something deeper. And that's where our intuition can become more activated again. You know, every single one of us is born into this world. I wanna say majority of people are born into this world with an absolute acute connection to truth complete aligned connection to truth. And I said majority because some people have trauma in the womb and then a disconnection can begin there. But you know, when I look at my daughter, she she knows when something is happening before we even tell her. You know, we as children have incredible intuition, incredible. We pick things up like that. Even if we don't have the words to how to describe it or the understanding to know what it is, our, we are tapping into the truth almost instantaneously because we're so present in the now when we're children. And you see, when that begins to disconnect, it disconnects for so many reasons. Maybe the parents that we have are disconnected from their own intuition and they don't understand how to listen to their own. And therefore we learn from that. Or we have parents who don't have the consciousness or the ability to affirm us as children that what we're picking up is the truth. And so from a very young age, we start to have these experiences inside of us, but our mind is telling us, you know, but they said everything is, is they said it's this way and they said it's that way. And so we stop to trust what's actually being shown to us from the beginning. So, you know, when we gain consciousness of the story, the, the, the nature of what of how we're trying to survive in the world. And we start listening again to this, to this very simple sort of listening of, of, of wisdom inside our, I call it the body mind. It takes time to build that trust again, but it is, it's like a coming home. You know, it's not new, it's always been there. We've just, we've just been in disconnection from it. I love, I love that remark of um, the, I read a piece actually called The Wisdom of Children. And I love that because one of my favorite questions, going back to what you said there, which I think is so important, is why? From a marketing perspective, which is probably not as sexy, is also really interesting because it's a question that you would ask to better understand like marketing messages, which you think about it, it's such a simple question. But it goes back to the idea that 
you know, I as a child, I can put my hand up and especially my granddad, poor, poor thing. I would always ask him why, like, you were showing me something, oh, why is that? And he was like, because of this. And I was like, well, why is that? And I think there are this little thing, that sense of curiosity, that inner trust, uh, you know, that like pragmatism that sometimes we see in children. I think there are the little things that sometimes, even just the playfulness, uh, some of the things, as you say, we when we come back to, we actually find that they can enrich our lives so much. So I, again, it's a great reminder as well. Now I asked our lovely live audience to ask us a couple of questions. So I'll pick them up okay. in just a second. If there's any other, please jot them down now so that we can ask them. But I have a quick question for you because I, I am a lover of semantics. Again, geek. Obviously you choose... <laughs> I'm so much fun, right? I'm so wild. But the reason why I love this is because I loved, obviously, you chose the word story, which I love throughout the book, and obviously, instead of ego. And I understand why from like from my own perspective, but I would love you to explain to us why story and not ego. And I think there's like little subtle differences that actually can tell us a lot more about what this is really about. Yeah, well, I use the word story because human beings are are storytelling animals like we the nature of the mind is that it will tell you or we will tell ourselves not consciously but we will t translate or tell ourselves a story about what is happening versus what is actually happening and the mind cannot distinguish between reality and imagination by the way so when when we are children and we have charged moments or moments of shock or moments of trauma or, or painful moments. You know, the, the design function of the mind is to help us survive. That is its function. That is the nature of evolution. That's how we're, that's how we survived the saber-toothed tigers and the caveman age. And so the nature of our mind is to help us survive. And so what are the points in our life that the mind is going to look out for if its job is to help us survive? it's gonna look out for all the points that might cause us pain or where we might experience some form of heartbreak or some kind of threat to what we feel is our safety. So, you know, in those moments in childhood when difficult things happen, in the very moment of it happening, it's not so much what's actually happening that is causing the problem, but what we have told ourselves about what is happening. And that in itself is, is a story. And in the story of what we tell ourselves, there is a main character and we're the main character. And the way in which we know ourselves and we attach identities to ourselves as that character is usually formed of, I'm the one that's not enough, or I'm the one that's too much, or, or I'm the one that's not safe in the world. And that character is how we identify ourselves in the world. And, you know, we don't even realize that we're in a story and that we're in this identity. We just think it's who we are. And, and really, you know, that the moment when that illusion breaks is often known as a moment of awakening or a moment of waking up. That is absolutely what I talk about in the book and what I help readers have that moment of coming out of a blind spot. And so, you know, it is, it is got a story quality to it. You know, I'm the one that wasn't loved and, and everything I do, I fail at, and you can hear this. And then she did this and then he did that. There's kind of a story quality to it. And we are the main characters in it. And so 
the real twist is, is when we realize that we actually created the story and we created the character of who we think we need to be in the world. And when we can gain real consciousness around that, that is the beginning of it starting to be able to dissolve, to, to, to release, to end. It takes time, but that is the beginning of it. Thank you so much for explaining that. And I'll tell you why, because your reframing really helps understanding. And obviously for the book, you actually go through the different steps and just helping understanding that story. I'm not saying that for any reason, calling it ego necessarily makes you feel like it's something separate in a way that you cannot control. But because of the way that some of us associate it, again, I'm putting myself first, you think about it, oh, it's like this thing that I cannot control, this wild rider that comes from nowhere. And actually by understanding that it's part of that story, it kind of becomes something that you can get to know and better understand because it's actually something that you can see. And I think that helps as well because obviously self-awareness in itself is like the blessing and the curse I call it sometimes and so actually being able to see it as something that you can you can learn from the patterns as you say from the beliefs and from that journey it makes it better to understand and easier to understand so thank you for explaining that because I think it can help some people that might feel a bit overwhelmed even just say how do I start with this thing is actually something that we can see within ourselves. Now Before I ask you our last question, we do have a question, lives. Um, So the question is from Amy, do you have three daily practices that keep you grounded and in touch with yourself? Yes. What would they be? I do. So I meditate at least once a day, sometimes twice a day. And if I'm leading... If I'm leading big programs, like I've got a six-day um, program that I'm leading at the end of this week, I'll, I'll probably meditate three times a day just because I use a lot of energy to facilitate. Um, I, I, I spend time in nature every day. So I live on the edge of the rainforest. And, you know, I can work pretty crazy hours because I'm... I work in, you know, internationally and I'm in New Zealand and we're far from everyone. So whenever I finish work, I'll always go for a walk in the garden or, or maybe I'll go for a walk in the bush. And what's a third practice? I, I tend to like to have a, a check-in with someone that I can share with. Communication is like my medicine. It's like my food. And because I work with so many people and on a, on a very deep level, I need to have someone that I can check in with. So my husband and I like to sort of sit out and have our coffee on the on the balcony and and I'll just check in with him and he'll check in with me and that feels like a, a bit of a ritual that we have now. It's really healing. I love that. And actually, I'm just going to say one more thing on what you mentioned there because a lot of listeners and a lot of people, obviously also in our community, are the people that facilitate and lead and whether it's a workshop or client's work and even just what you what you said there about meditation and actually taking even that extra time to like recharge your energies. I, I personally also have to do it. I'm a, I'm a highly empathetic person. So I just soak it all in. And I think we forget, especially when we have a screen, we're like, ah, it's fine. But actually that energy that we put out, we still put it out, if not more, because we actually have to almost give even more of the energy away because people cannot really see it and feel it in person Mm. again I think some people might have listened but not fully digested so I remind you again really when you're putting all the energy out finding ways to bring it back in is really important so that kind of got me as well I was like I need to do more of that myself (laughs) literally Mm -hmm. now 
Thank you so much, Amy, for the question. And thank you so much, Nikki, for being here. Before telling us a bit more about where they can find more about the book, obviously, where, where can people connect with you? I want to ask you one more question, the last question that we ask in every single episode. Nikki, if you could have brunch, brunch, maybe in front of your porch as well with a coffee, with anyone, dead or alive, who would this person be and why? Mm. Gosh, there's so many people I would love to sit with. The first person that came to mind, and I, I'm surprised by this um, that came to my mind, but I'm going to say it because it was the first thing that I thought of. It, I would love to sit with Nelson Mandela, and I would love to really speak to him on a human being level about his time of being in prison. I find his story really quite remarkable, not so much about the kind of ro- the wrongdoing and what was how he was wronged, but more how he was being with the whole experience and, you know, this remarkable choice and consciousness that he had that when he left prison, you know, he stood at the prison gates and he, and he knew, and he said, you know, I will leave my resentments and my blame here. Um, and I knew I needed to forgive the people that wronged me and leave it here in this prison cell. Otherwise I would be in prison for the rest of my life. And though I would just love to get inside his mind, just the way that he thinks and the way that he had that kind of awareness, I find really quite beautiful. Love that, love that. Now, first of all, thank you again, definitely for, for making the time at every single crazy time zone of the day. I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much for putting all your knowledge, your wisdom and hell of a lot of time into that book and the book that is coming out as well because mm-hmm. I think more of us really need that reminder of the importance of you know thriving and really you know taking that next step towards surrendering so thank you so much for everything you do thank you for being here of thank you and now <laughs> please let us know a couple of places that we can go a couple of things that we can look at and obviously how to get our hands on the book so the book is available from the 20th of July and it will be available globally um, and you can buy it anywhere that sells books. You can buy it at Amazon. If you're in the UK, you can buy it a, a, across, you know, any kind of bookseller. Um, I think everything is virtual now. I'm not sure where the bookstores are opened yet, but uh, or you can go to my website, www.nickyclinch.com, and there is a whole page on there for my book, um, and you can buy it there as well. You know, it's a really, really beautiful and powerful process. You know, there's two journeys in the book that I take you through. Um, the first journey is your journey. Um, there are three phases in the book. And the beginning phase, phase one, is called endings, where I walk you through a maturation process of being able to dissolve attachments to the repeated stories and patterns and behaviors that keep just coming back no matter what no matter how many times you try and change you're just not able to get that level of freedom and that level of peace and contentment and helping you gain enough consciousness and awareness of what that is and where it comes from and how it has been living your life and starting to dissolve that attachment to it and then the middle phase of the book is called love because when you start to let go of so much of what you think you know about who you are, you're kind of left in a space of unknowing. And that is the place where it's time to rebuild a new foundation, a new foundation based on love, like real love, not 
not romance love, like real love for yourself. And so I walk you through a process of setting boundaries and forgiveness and compassion and coming out of victimhood and really kind of owning a space of power and love for yourself. And then the third phase, because you have a foundation based on love where anything can grow, the third phase is called birthing. And that is when I start to take you through a process where you get to birth a new possibility for yourself in the world and for your life. And beyond the stories of your past, beyond these belief systems and ideas of who you think you are, that there is this remarkable being that you were born to be. And so, you know, it it has a whole self-inquiry process through it and lots of exercises and meditations and activations that I lead you through. And then the second journey that kind of happens side by side, all of that is I tell you the story, my story, and I tell you the story of how I transformed my life. But more while I was writing the book, my husband and I separated. Our nine-year marriage ended. We came to a point that we were having the same fight over and over again for nine years. And we had to end our marriage. And I share the remarkable process that we went through as we really dived into a, a deep process of looking at what was creating all the conflict and all the blocks and all the problems in our marriage. And we had this incredible breakthrough after six months, which actually ended up allowing us to rebirth a new marriage and we renewed our vows. And so I share the whole story of, of how our, our stories from our past and our imprints from our pr- past color how we see the people that we love and get in the way of our ability to really love each other and be intimate. So, you know, it's a beautiful and it's a rich book. Please go get it. If you're struggling with with repeating patterns, behaviors, you keep finding yourself back in the same place, no matter how many times you try to change things, you're really struggling to find peace and contentment in yourself. Please go and get this book because it, it will be an opportunity for you to find that peace in your own self so yeah I love that thank you so so much guys again check it out remember surrender you'll find out more also in the show notes obviously if you're listening to the podcast and again thank you so much for taking the time with us as well thank you thank you so much for having me and for everyone being here thank you thank you so much for listening don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode if you loved it please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes and make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at Creative Impact Co. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.